mic on. Episode 66. What's wrong with Orny Adams? I'll tell you. I've got a doozy. I've got a real doozy going on for you this week. In fact, two weeks. This is my first two-parter. I had the privilege and honor of interviewing right here in Big Yellow, former FBI profiler Jim Clemente. Jim, uh, former prosecutor, just story after story after story. I couldn't shut him up to the point we're going to have to release two episodes. Uh, Jim reveals so much, uh, some stuff he would not reveal, stuff that we had discussed prior because he has to protect his identity because as he puts it, I helped put away a lot of bad people. So Jim is fascinating, and you want to hear how Jim got into the FBI. Uh, I don't want to give away all the details, but as a teenager, unfortunately, he was molested, and he approached the FBI about wearing a wire and going after his abuser. This led to him being in the FBI. You want to hear him tell the story. He's also a survivor of cancer and a massive heart attack, and he still, he still has a positive outlook on life. Or does he? Maybe he's negative. Maybe he's faking it. Well, you're going to find out in this episode of What's Wrong with Orny Adams as I interrogate Jim Clemente. I break down an FBI uh, 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 FBI former profile. In fact, I lied to Jim, and, and Jim caught me in a lie. Uh, first, first, before we begin the episode, I want to thank you, the listener. That's what they used to say on PBS. We want to thank you, the listener. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's liking, subscribing, sharing all my content, whether it's this podcast, my videos on YouTube, More Than Loud special, just hit 1.1 million. I can't believe it. So thank you. And thank you to the people that subscribe to my Patreon who want to get this video when it's fresh, not a few weeks later when it's on YouTube for everybody. This episode, however, I will be releasing right away just because I feel like it's important. But some extra clips... I will uh, put up on Patreon, and also part two will be on Patreon way ahead of when you YouTubers can get it. So thank you, everybody. And if you're a fan of my stand-up comedy, and how could you not be? Although in part two, we do discuss all the Teen Wolf fans that just see me as as coach from Teen Wolf and refuse to migrate over and see me as a stand-up comedian. But for those of you who do appreciate my stand-up comedy, I've got a lot of dates coming up. I'll be in Vegas New Year's Eve. I'll be in Brea, California uh, the week before. In January, I'm in Chicago. I'm going back to Sarasota, Florida, to McCurdy's. It's all up on orneyadams.com slash tour. Also, also, if you want to correspond with me and discuss this podcast, the email is what's wrong at orneyadams.com. Could that be any easier? The name of the podcast, let's break it down, is what's wrong with Orny Adams. So the emails, what's wrong at orneyadams.com. If you want to find links for the video, for the audio, which is up on, you know, Apple and uh, Spotify, just go to teamwhatswrong.com. Are you seeing a theme with the naming and all that stuff? Also, breaking news in my career, next week or this week, this week, I will be joining the cast of Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas. It's even hard for me to say because I've never done stand-up comedy from a trapeze. But I will be upside down telling jokes. Uh, New York, New York Casino. Next week, I'm giving it a try. I know I discussed it on this podcast. They wanted me to do a six-month residency. I thought I would lose my mind. I can't be anywhere for six months. Certainly not Vegas. But 
I'll be there for a week. And also I'll be there New Year's Eve at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club. Also, tomorrow, tomorrow, if you're listening to the audio and maybe the video will be up, I will be again uh, on the Adam Carolla podcast. So take a listen to that and, and watch the video. So now let's get into this. Episode 66, What's Wrong with Ornie Adams? My guest, former FBI profiler, Jim Clemente. This is part one of two. So on this episode, we discuss the mind of a serial killer, the mind of sexual abusers. I ask him some questions that I can't even believe I asked him. Uh, what's the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath? Do cases, I asked him, and I'm being serious, I'm not being flippant, do cases with murder victims who are more attractive get more attention? Are they solved faster? I believe so. I believe so. When I watch these murder shows, it seems like most of the victims are attractive. Are, are people, are average looking people like me, if I get taken out, is this going to be covered? And I asked, I'm asking him seriously. So he's, you want to hear the answer. And Jim gives insight into the current events, into current events like the Idaho murders, which I offered to help him solve. I believe I have the goods to solve a murder. You don't want to miss this. Part one. And in part two, I'll, I'll tell you at the end because I asked him something about Teen Wolf. So enjoy my interview, part one, with Jim Clemente. My guest today is Jim Clemente, former FBI profiler, former New York State prosecutor, host of Real Crime Profile mm-hmm. podcast, distributed by Wondery, writer, producer, consultant on Criminal Minds TV show. I do a few things. Yeah, and he's a fan of stand-up comedy. I am. Specifically mine. You. Yes. Because why? Because you are, what was the word? I don't know. Insanely funny. That's right. This is So explain uh, how this all happened, okay. how you're here. So my brother... And his wife took me out to the improv on Melrose, you know, iconic club, right? For comedy for my birthday. And we sat there through a couple of, you know, okay comedians. There, Then there was, you know, a really crazy woman from London who I thought was great. Uh-huh. And then this guy gets introduced. And I had never been there before to see one of your shows, but my brother had. And I could see my brother when when I saw you. You were standing by the the side of the stage, and you wouldn't come up. Yeah. And like the guy up there is like, and you're like, and he introduces you again, and then you come up, and you're like looking at papers, you're wandering around, you're mumbling a little bit, yeah. and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And my brother just hits me, right? He just hits me, and I know, okay, something's coming, and then you start going off, right? And it was great, and I notice. You have a whole stack of straws right there. Is that are those right. straws? They are, those are those are illegal straws, Jim. You know, I love you know it. my act. Yeah. Yes, I do. So and it was awesome. I, I can tell you uh, why I think you love stand-up comedy, okay. and maybe specifically me. Okay. Because stand-up comedy is very similar to what you do. Like comics, if it's done right, and I'm not saying I'm doing it right. Well, that's I for you guys to judge. I think you are. Are behavioral analyst you have to read the crowd you have to play the crowd sometimes you have to manipulate the crowd right well we do that when we're interrogating people it's exactly and i have that in my notes i i said stand-up comedy is like an interrogation okay we need to 
break you down, which is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You need to differentiate yourself from the last person that was right. in the room or the last person that arrested them. You have to earn their trust. You have to make them like you. The you have to di- right. You have to disarm them, and that's what I was doing that night at the uh, comedy club. There was there, there was some energy in that room that I did not like. Oh, really? I did not like, and I needed to say that's over. What you just saw is over. Something new is about to happen. Got it. And it's similar to, you want to throw them off. You want to take them out of their mindset where, they, where they've where they been. It, it worked. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you got on the stage and I said, you know, this guy, he kind of reminds me of like Christopher Walken meets Jerry Seinfeld. That's basically what I thought. Yeah. And what is he going to say and do? And literally, you're flipping around papers, you're looking at things, you're mumbling, and I'm thinking, this guy is literally insane. Right. But luckily, <laughs> it turned into criminally insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 comically yeah. insane. Yeah. So that was good. And that was your tweet. I was with my father at the time, and I, oh, really? I this was your second tweet. You tweeted about my special, More Than yes. Loud, which I can't believe just hit a million views. That's and then lot. another 100,000 this week. Right. Nothing. Wow. This never happens to me. I shouldn't announce it. This stuff never happens to me. Wow. And I put it up there. I had done the Mark Marin podcast and I put it up there and I thought maybe I'll get 25,000 and mm-hmm. I'll be happy with that. And then it just started going and, yeah. you, go, and you go, whoa, what's going on here? And then you start to think maybe this is it. Maybe yeah. it, it worked. It was great. And, you know, when we started Real Crime Profile, um, yeah. I basically I was working on Criminal Minds and the casting director Lisa Zambetti came to me and said, you know, I'd love to ask you so many questions. Like, we should do a podcast. And I said, I was just talking to my friend Bob Ruff about doing a podcast. And I said, we can do it, but I don't want to be the only profiler on it. Let's get Laura Richards because, you know, she's different. She's from the UK. Right. Right. She's a woman. You know, anyway, we got together. We put it out there. And before you know it, we were looking. We were just ticking up the number. 975,000. We went to Wondery. They said, come on board. And wow. we went. Wait a minute. So you, this is before Wondery you were yes. getting those numbers? We got 975,000 in like, in like the first three months. Yeah. Three and a half With months. no promotion or anything or. No, it's just that we were, we had been doing TV shows about crime and we're talking about the crime, yeah. you know, that was in the news. And, right. and Bob Ruff came on as our first guest guest and he had a lot of fans who's that i don't know who that is he he does truth and justice podcasts he does okay. like his own like investigative right. series and he actually gets crowdsources ca- crowdsourcing to to exonerate people that have been wrongfully convicted interesting and he's the innocence project this is different yeah no but yeah but his is you know he was a he was actually a um a fire marshal wow. investigator and he decided, like, he heard about this case, and he decided to start a podcast, and he got this whole army of people that yeah. fight, fight for him and with him. And anyway, so we went to Wondery, and now we're like, I mean, like, over 75 million. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. This is So this is, uh, not to get into the financials, but it must be a windfall for you. Well, it's, yeah, it's a good good paying job wow. you know it's cool it's nice so you're not running your own podcast out of a, a shasta in the back no back of this your is yard. so cool you can me this this is where you want to you be. know what i love it's iconic you know what i love and what? before we get into it okay what? uh i want to ask you what is it like to be an fbi profiler <laughs> but before we start officially start the podcast jim clemente is my guest fbi profiler and let me tell you something i lied to you i lied to you yesterday okay. And you caught it. 
You right. caught it, and I saw it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. What's wrong with Orny Adams? Episode 66. Oh, wow. Great guest, Jim Clemente, who maybe can teach me how to be a better podcaster. Look at all these notes. I've got eight pages of notes. I'm so prepared. I've been watching videos of you. I am ready. We're gonna. We're going to talk about the Idaho murders. We're, we're going to talk about every interesting question that I, I think that people don't ask you. Because I see you, and they're just very dry, a lot of these uh, podcasts and stuff like that. So let's let's really, uh, really get into it. Uh, you were involved with Whitewater, right? Yes. And are you personally responsible for catching the D.C. snipers? Uh, myself and my team, yes. yeah. Yeah. I was on stage in... Baltimore when that that was really? going on when the first that and the, the first shootings the first six were right near Baltimore I, I it was I was uh, opening for Jerry Seinfeld at their here. yeah at their their whatever he would play the big venue uh and I said Jerry I'm gonna go out there and I'm just gonna start running around back and stage on the stage and I and I'm, I'm gonna say I'm doing this because there's a sniper in town and Jerry goes don't do it I don't think it's gonna work and it destroyed <laughs> it destroyed that's that's how you do it. Can that's, I tell you? Yeah. Can I tell just yeah. what we're talking yeah. about, Jerry? Yeah. So in nineteen, I think it was nineteen eighty-four. Well, yeah. New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty-three, going into nineteen eighty-four. Right. Jerry was performing at Caroline's in in New York, and me and my sister and her roommate, we all got tickets, and we were literally sitting in the front row. Wow. And so they closed the venue, right? They closed the doors after he started the show. And he came back down to us after for his break. Gotta hit record on this. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, it's recording. Sorry. Keep going. Okay. Keep going. He yeah. came. He came off the stage. Yeah. At his first break, and he said, "Look, you know, I don't have anybody here, so can I just hang out with you during my breaks?" We're like, "You? <laughs> well, yeah." We're like, "Yeah, that is sure." Wild. So he's we sat there with Jerry Seinfeld like for a half hour every break. We would he would do like forty yeah. minutes, and then he'd break, and then he'd do forty minutes. And then New Year's happened, and we all hugged, and I think my sister kissed him. I didn't, but yeah. it was awesome. It Did was you amazing. Keep in touch with him? Is no, that, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I met him one other time, but you know, he's he's just an iconic, amazing person. So what's know? what's interesting is I I I never give out my address digitally. I don't digitally transmit it. Yeah, in I fact, kind of figured that when you said I'll tell you thursday yeah i'll tell you thursday right then because you were gonna make up an address or move no i i get you into the neighborhood and then i come find you it's an easter egg hunt (laughs) in fact i was shocked that you were willing to give me your telephone number over a former social media Mm. is that a burner phone no it isn't it isn't but unfortunately because of you know what i do now right my my professional life and entertainment uh it's out there it's out on imdb and people get it so and then, you know, I get calls all the time from the news agencies. And so my phone is pretty much out there. Yeah. But I only have one. I, I don't I don't really I know how to vet mm-hmm. calls that are coming in. I bet. So uh, I bet that's yeah. that's your profession. I do have a, a little bit of a, a system at home. So it helps. Me. Oh, have I been? Uh, did you? What, what I thought would have been amazing was <laughs> if I gave you the incorrect address and, and then you knocked, right you knocked on my. <laughs> looked and i said ah, you know anyway do you know did you know prior to no 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 what no. do you know about me what I, have you look, what all i did was watch your videos i am not working here this is no you, no yeah. but it, 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 did you do anything did research just, on me at all did well, you i talked to your neighbor 
actually, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, I interview the neighbors around anybody I go. But what if we have a mutual friend that's a neighbor of mine, a TV writer? What if what what if we didn't know somebody in common? Would you have still felt comfortable coming up here? Yeah. You know, I know how to defend myself. Right. I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. I may or may not be on. Yeah. But what if like you don't know, maybe I'm a horrible person. Maybe I am the Idaho murderer. Like, how crazy of a plot twist would that be right well, now on this podcast? But then I'd have the opportunity to figure that out and then arrest you and be the hero. Yeah. So, you know, right now I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping that uh, my appearances on the news will stir somebody up in the public to actually call in the cops. Because the fact is, somebody knows him. Somebody actually lives near him, lives right. in the same house right. or apartment building as him, right. interacts with him mm-hmm. every day or every week. Right. And they look right past him. Because they're looking for a monster. Because they see what this guy did, and they think, monster. Well, don't say monster. No, I don't. saw you on Fox News. You scolded that that woman. <laughs> well, she wasn't... was shocked. I couldn't believe I go, this guy's not nice. I got to be prepared to be I attacked. Was, I was just trying to set the record straight. Like, yeah. hello, when you say monster, everybody's going to be looking away from the guy who did it. Yeah. Nobody turns in their neighbor because they think they're a monster, unless you're having a dispute about the fence or mowing the grass or something. Then you might do it. But if this person who lives next to you is like a regular human being, right? but inside his brain, right. he's killing people and he finally acts on it, well, you're never going to know it. Here's the thing. This is where I, 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 I agree with you that he knew the victims. Okay. Thank you. I agree with you. He's probably still in the community and trying to blend in. Yeah. Unless he booked out because of the school break or some emergency you know eleven thousand people left a couple days later because of school break but i don't think he's making what would be perceived as irrational movement right now he's not in mexico oh if he was then he would stand out right right that's what i'm saying so there would be either a justification for him leaving temporarily his grandmother's sick in texas something like that Mm -hmm. right or he's in town and he's trying to fit in. Although he may have been late for work the next day, he may have called in sick, he may have avoided his friends, he may be wearing gloves in the house because he's covering up a couple of cuts on his right. hand from stabbing wounds, all that kind of stuff. He got rid of whatever clothing he was wearing because it got blood all over it. And by the way, I thought for a moment today I solved the crime. And I was going to announce it right here on What's Wrong with Orny Adams, but I... After reading two articles, mm-hmm. determined this was a murder-suicide. Really? Until the third article revealed they still haven't found the murder weapon. Mm. So hard to kill yourself and dispose of the Although weapon. You- Unless accomplice comes in one of the roommates, the, the sixth roommate. You know, or- tomorrow they're going to announce there's a seventh roommate. Okay. <laughs> or, I, I'll tell you one case where he had, had a situation like that, where the guy committed suicide, tied a string to, mm-hmm. to the the trigger guard of the gun, mm-hmm. sat on the edge of a river, had a gallon uh, milk jug with just a little bit of water in it, closed up, tossed that in the water, pulled the trigger, the gun falls out of his hand, and he intended it to just float away down the Mississippi River, but it got snagged up on a on a little what tree was branch. It, what was he trying to do? Was he trying to frame somebody? No. Well, he was trying to make it look like he was killed rather than... Was he trying to fool God so he gets to heaven? <laughs> what? That's the most elaborate... If you're that clever, you could be Think more successful insur- in life. Right. If you can right. st- try and stage... Think insurance policy. Okay. okay. It doesn't Thank cover you. suicide. Okay. All right? 
By the way, what is that green stuff over there? That you know what it is. It's my magic potion. It's you can test it. There's no, no drugs. No, 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 no. It's I, legal. I'm not saying it's drugged. I'm just. I always notice that you keep like a half a glass of it. Yeah, it's I never know. a full glass. You never drink the whole thing because I'll lose my energy. I'll I'll lose my focus. I need like the, the sugar. Okay. But here's the real question. What's the real question? Here's the real question involving the Idaho murder, which involved four people, right? Well, five people, four that were murdered, and one that. Them. You think like such an effort. I'm sorry. No, no, it's actually uh, 22 people if you include the family. No, it's 38 if you have law enforcement. No, it's 14,000. Well, the entire nation and the world right now because, you know, it's about 7.5 billion people. It right seems now. like Fox News is covering this a lot more than uh, MSNBC and CNN. You know, when I'm up on a plane, I'm profiling people. I walk up and down the aisle and I look at who's watching which network. Mm. So right there, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, well, I, I go on any network. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't limit myself to CNN or Fox or anything in between. Um, I feel like I want to, especially in a case like this, it's that's unsolved. I want to try to get my the information out to as many people as possible. And you can't do that by being on one network. Right. I, I have a serious question. It's going to sound flippant, but if you're good looking, are there better? Is there a better chance your murder will be solved? Wow. Don't think so. I mean, because you got a lot of ugly serial killers out there. No, no, no. I'm saying the victim. If you're, oh, okay, here, I'll read. Let me rephrase okay, the question. If that. you're, okay. if you're a victim of being murdered, and you're good looking, is there a higher chance your crime will be solved? I'll tell you what. There's a higher chance that there's going to be a media circus. Right. There's a higher chance that it's going to stay in the news for a longer right. time. But if you're a really sophisticated killer, that may never be solved. So, for example, well, if the Idaho victims all attract, if they were ugly, we wouldn't be out of the news already, right? I don't think so. I think the fact that they're young, yeah, the fact that they're beautiful people helps. But the fact that they're just students and it's just before the holidays and it's, it's a honest, major tragedy. When you worked at the FBI and like, hey, Jim, we have a. We have a murder for you here. And then you, you look at the we picture, you go, I'm not. We this guy's ugly. I'm not oh solving it. Give this to, give this to. Jones. Jones. Hey, Jones. We got an ugly guy. Here's the new guy. Yeah. yeah let new, do it. You get the ugly no, cases. No, we didn't do that. In the FBI, we don't do that. The media seems to do that. I, I mean, mean uh, you get John Benet Ramsey, right? You get, uh, what is, uh, uh, uh uh, Madeline, uh, Madeline McCann. Yeah. Uh, um, what's her name? Uh, Jesus, I can't remember right now. Uh, who? What do we tell Brian me? Brian Laundrie's uh, fiance. Oh, the the, the the I think you. I've seen you talking yeah, about I her. I can't believe I can't. Remember. No, well, I got it right here. Jody Arias. Oh, Jody Arias. No, but I'm talking about the recently. Um, oh, the, guy the who campers drove back to Florida in her van. Yeah, the the the, uh, yeah. the kids that Gavin want to live in Zito. vans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's, I mean, those cases are, you know, they're they're top of the news. But we've been working with the missing and excuse me, missing and and murdered indigenous yeah, people a problem. task force. There's over 770 yeah. cases that are unsolved. Right, and many of them are from the same damn neighborhood where Gabby Petito was killed, really? and yet none of them. None. Where Not a this? single one of them in Montana. Huh. Not a single one of them has been on the news. 
Huh. Not once. So what we're doing, we actually started a, a documentary series where we're highlighting some of these cases so we can kind of get them back in the news and get law enforcement more involved in, uh, in this resolving interest, them. This interests me a lot. In fact, I was, I'll talk to you about it off because I was involved with something. That is, if if you're gonna confess, it's it's close can we to do confession. it at close to the end of the hour? Just so because you know, otherwise we'll never get this done. It'll never be on the air, and it'll be a total waste of my time. Other than arresting, I'm you. gonna tell you something. Okay, I would never confess. Okay. In fact, if you came in right now with your little FBI buddies, your little crew, <laughs> and you said we want to talk, I would, I would, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't even ask you why you want to talk to me. I would go for a lawyer immediately. Yeah, but what if I met you out at a bar? There's no way you would have known that I was an FBI agent. We'd be sitting there drinking, and I could get you talking. And if I knew that you were a serial killer, for example, I might let a few things drop about. Whoa, you know, I'd like to take that one out, you know. Uh, Jim, I have committed a few crimes in my life, and let me tell you something. You just admitted something. Yeah, here, you don't brag way. about. Yeah, but you don't know what the the crime could be. Well, you know. How do you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You think I don't know? Here's the big mistake people make: What's bragging. Big, you don't. You don't brag. Exactly. I don't need credit. I don't need any credit. Well, because you don't have that particular personality problem. Like, let's say somebody. Let's pull a random name. Um, Donald. Okay. Let's say somebody named Donald, who every single time he gets on TV has to talk about how good everybody says he's doing, mm -hmm. how wonderful everything that's happening around is because of him, the things he's doing, how mm. successful. What does that tell you about his personality? That he's a narcissist? Well, but he also has a very, very small, perfect self-image. Mm. He needs adulation. Mm. If he didn't, the most confident people are the quietest people exactly. about themselves. The most confident people are the people who do, not say. Right. And this is something I, I, I had to school my nephew about. Because he was like, I don't know, I'm having trouble, you know, dating. You know, how yeah. come I can't? And I said, tell me how you've done it in the past. And everything is about bragging to women about huh. himself. And I said, try this. Wish you'd given me this speech 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bummed. I'm a little closer to Donald than to what the ideal, you well, know. It's, you know, I think, you know, maybe, maybe. Say it. It's part of your act. I think maybe you kind of have this thing. And, you know, everybody should. Look, when I get on stage, I have a persona, you know. Mm -hmm. And for me, what I do, and tell me if, if you experience the same thing is I feed off the energy in the crowd. Of course. Right? So, like, we are, we're bundles of energy, right? right. There's there's electrons right. firing. Right. There's right. electrical right. charges going through our bodies. Yeah. Well, when we focus on somebody, we're sending that out to them. Right. And when a whole crowd of people together, can you imagine being in Wembley, you know, 120,000 people all looking at you and yeah. cheering you right. and all that? That energy. I don't even know what's about to come out of my mouth. Sometimes uh -huh. what I say, I'm like... What, what do you what do you want stage for what do you well present? i do i you know i mainly train law enforcement but i've right. i've i've done four or five hundred presentations from you know 20 minute keynotes to eight hour days right. um and if you're training people for eight hours you can't just be boring or you know they'll never call you back but if you're funny you know if you're self-deprecating if you're funny if you throw in things you know from from you know pop culture and things like that people stay interested mm. so i use seinfeld a lot in my like my interrogation uh mm. uh and deception speeches 
right? Because, you know, George, I mean, he was the king of deception, right? And and so was Jerry, for example, yeah. you know? And, you know, when he wanted to, when George wanted to go out with uh, Marissa Tomei and, and he's sitting on a park bench. Well, first he has to, he has to get Elaine to cover with him for his, mm -hmm. with his girlfriend. And so Elaine is amazing. Uh, she made that show. Right, I yeah. think she turned that show around. She was like the key character for me. Okay. But but anyway, he's sitting on the bench with Marissa Tomei, and, and and she says, "I can't believe somebody like you, so bald and so funny." <laughs> and he says, "Well, you know, Marissa, I'm sort of engaged." Well, he says, "Well, comma, give yeah. him some time." Marissa, I'm sort of. He's equivocating. He's not trying to sell. Right. He's He's not even confident about what he's saying. And these things that he's saying, they indicate that what's happening is a lie, right? That he's... But how do you know he didn't forget his lines? <laughs> and he's stalling by saying sort of. But it's so good. But because, because I have he's... a whole list of things that indicate I know, I veracity you... and a whole list of things that indicate... I saw you break down, uh, I did not have sexual relations <laughs> with there is, that woman. There is no Monica sexual Lincoln. relationship with that woman. Mon Mon that woman. With that woman. Dehumanizing that. The re here's the real... She For got pissed. That's why she came in. What do you... Oh. Monica yeah. got pissed when he said that woman. What man? That woman? Yeah. I was just sucking your dick a couple yeah. of days ago. And, and I have a dress. Yes. I have a dress that <laughs> I saved. Me. Yeah. Saved the yeah, the DNA evidence. More than just DNA. Yeah. 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 One of my early jokes was uh, I would say... Uh, D, you know, why don't we call it what it is? It's not like, it's not D, no guy's ever called his uh, cum DNA ever. No guy's ever said, I'm dna -ing, I'm dna -ing. And that was, uh, that joke got me a deal with Warner Brothers Television. Did you come in, did you come in today with any motive or game plan or did you just come in to have a conversation? To talk to you? Yeah. To, I came to meet you. I really was blown away by you on stage. First of all, the two things that I'll say that I thought were amazing about your comedy is one, planted Easter eggs and then at the end they paid off which I love okay. because it tells me you know that people in the audience can think it's not just about slapstick or being just crude which some of the people that preceded you were just being crude and it's just like that's that doesn't take intelligence so I love that and the other thing I loved is that you you talk about everything everyday life and you make it funny as shit because Okay, and this brings us back to why you and I relate. Because I saw an interview, and uh, I think you were talking about Guantanamo Bay. Mm. In fact, my father has a question, before I get into this, about that exactly. <laughs> this is a question from my father. My father asks, what works better than torture to get a valid, truthful, to get valid, sorry, let me I get this claim from my dad. What works better than torture to get valid, truthful information from a terrorist. Rapport intervention. I oh, yeah. Rapport. One word. Rapport. Right. right. Rapport building. Showing people that have every reason to hate you. And and believe me, I've sat across from serial killers, right? And gotten them to confess. Terrorists are no different. They're human beings. But they've been trained to hate us. Why? Because they they're taught. All the horrible things that happened to them and their people. And then we play into it. Right, by hurting them. them more. Right. I mean, how is that helping? No, all you're doing is reinforcing it. 
reinforcing their negative stereotypes of you. But shouldn't so, we not give a shit what somebody who who's blown up buildings and no, and killed but, Americans what, what they think of Americans? But you're not going to accurate and reliable information. If we that pull way. out their fingernails they're one not, at a time, they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear. They're not going to tell you the truth. Well, how do you know when you build rapport because they're going to be they're telling you the truth? How can you, you get ever them trust? To work with us. You get them to work with us. We did that. We turned guys who were hardened terrorists into helping us. They became our people. Am I, ar there. am I arrogant to think that I would be good at this? At interrogating? Yeah. No, you're smart. You Anybody, first of all, you already said, you know how to build rapport. Number one mm -hmm. gift of good interrogators is building rapport. You have to take somebody who's at the worst moment of their life and get them to trust you, get them to share with you the thing that's going to hurt them the most. You know, I, it's difficult. The reason I started this podcast, what's wrong with Orny Adams? What is wrong with Orny? Yeah, Adams? there's a lot wrong, and a lot of the, a lot of the, it's what's wrong with the world. It, it's it's got a duality. You reflect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people, my entire life have opened up to me, perfect strangers, really? and told I know secrets. It's your eyes. I know secrets. Is, it, is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. You uh, have very, you know, you're you're very, you don't have very hidden eyes. I I can't hide. Yeah. You know, we're going to talk about that. We have so much to talk about. Uh, I, I have information that could put people in jail. Mm. I have information that would certainly end marriages. Uh, I could get people fired. They open up to me. More times uh, I've heard this phrase, if people knew this, I would be killed. Mm. And I don't know what it is. I, I suspect it's because when I start a conversation, I don't get into, I sort of just, I ramble, uh, I don't, you know, I'm all over the place. I'm just sort of, but I never judge. Like, even if you're a serial killer, there's humanity in there somewhere. I always say that. That's how you find a path to building rapport. You look for humanity. So when I went there, when I went to Guantanamo, First of all, I lost a lot of friends and colleagues on that day. My father's office had been on the 93rd floor, but he had retired already. I lived across the street wow. from the World Trade Center. I mean, you that, got cancer. Because I got of cancer from it. Yes. But so I I had a lot of negative emotions mm -hmm. related to what happened on 9-11. So if anybody hated these guys who did this, I did. But I also knew that what we wanted was to stop this from happening ever again. Get the people who did it and stop it from ever happening again. The only way to do that is to get people on the inner circle to be on our side. They're never going to be on our side if you're pulling out their fingernails or waterboarding them, trying to make them think they're going to die. That doesn't help. And all it ended up doing and the cases that actually, you know, where the CIA said, oh, yeah, it did work with this guy or that guy. The guy was counting on his fingers because he knew they were going to do it for 10 seconds and then they'd stop. So... He was playing them. They did it 80-something times. And a lot of times he gave them bullshit that they could never confirm because it was fake. It was but, bullshit. Okay, so once you go down there, you lose your friends and colleagues because you're willing to play this different angle. Once you got the information, did you win them back? Did they respect you after that? I, I, got, I got people to cooperate with us. Yes, totally. And, and once they cooperated... After that, did you beat the shit out of them? Did you no, waterboard them? I did not. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. No. I, so I had, you know, I had, I, I was, I was being, <clears throat> I was doing a little bit of this with the Marines there. They, they were all gung ho. They were being told and mm -hmm. ordered to right. be gung ho, mm -hmm. to take it to the extreme. Right. And I told them that's not the way, that's not the way it's going to work. Yeah. And I taught them how to do it properly. 
it took a while, but uh, you know they they changed the uh, interrogation manual as a result it's, of it. It's 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 pretty amazing. Uh, I I'd like to talk to one of these people because I really do think, and and that's what I do with my comedy. So when you say I'm talking about pillowcase covers, I'm talking about inane straws, whatever it is, and. What happens is if you go to see one of my shows, which you have, and if you have it, I, I invite everybody. Oh, you should. My you tour should. schedule's up. You, wherever yeah. you are, do it. Do that's, it. Because, that's your camera right there. Uh, let me tell you. No, I there there were, what, six comedians that night. And literally, nobody could hold the candle to you. Nobody. And not only, there, there were a couple that were funny, you know, but I didn't, like, walk out of there saying, I need to meet this person. I need oh. to see more of this stuff. This, like, I have been watching you um, on YouTube, and, you know, there, I've seen a couple of specials. I, I learned about the Third Amendment. Oh, you know, uh, there's a lot of stuff I've, I've been educated oh, shoot, about. As an FBI <laughs> analyst, you should well, know the Third Amendment. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. I, didn't, we never, I never arrested anybody for violating the Third Amendment. I'm sorry. Right. But anyway, the point is, I learned a lot, but I also literally laughed out loud. Hmm. I mean... It takes a lot for me to do. I've had a lot of, I've been through a lot and I've seen a lot of the really worst things that humans do to one another. Mm -hmm. So laughter, laughter is what got me through a bone marrow transplant. I watched Pink Panther wow. movies and, and um, uh, what's the one? The uh, Monty Pythons. How, how did 9-11 lead to your cancer? What was it? Was I, it I, I was digging on the pile for five days and wow. we're breathing in after about two hours, our filters got all clogged up, our air filters. We had to take them off. We couldn't breathe through it. You were dig what were you digging for? Is this as Bodies. FBI? Oh, wow. Yeah. As I mean, part of the FBI or were you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we were collecting evidence. Yeah. I mean, we had a, um, you know, yeah, we were collecting evidence and bodies, but I'm telling you, nothing we found was bigger than this. Hmm. Do you know what I thought they should have turned 9-11 that site into instead well, of building more where I thought to counter the the horrible deaths that happen on that site turn it into a birthing hospital well that's a good idea that'll that'll counteract it i think part of it is i mean they obviously left the two actual building sites mm. empty those are the right pits now i i have not been there to see it i just haven't been able to go back there for that but um but i think you know the fact is that I mean, you get cancer, you don't want to go back. I get it. No, it's, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that. I mean, it was just it. the, the, you know, the smells and the sights and the sounds. It was unbelievable. It was literally like, like you're on another planet. Mm -hmm. And it, people, I, I spent five days at the World Trade Center, Ground Zero, and then three weeks at the Pentagon because my unit had to, ended up taking, doing all the evidence collection there. And, at the Pentagon, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is just a tremendous amount of destruction. And and I said, it's a thousand times worse in New York. They like they couldn't fathom that. And I said, yeah. a thousand times worse. It turns out there was a million tons of, of debris in the Pentagon, 1.2 billion tons. Say that number again, the first number, a million? A million tons of okay. debris at the Pentagon, 1.2 billion tons. Wow. Well, wait, in, who's weighing it? Well, they had to transport all of it. Oh, wow. They, went, they sifted through everything. They collected DNA off of everything. In fact... Where is that many, now? It's, it was in uh, the, a landfill in Staten Island. Oh. But Why does all, all the but, shit end up in Staten Island? Well, it was, 
yeah. place. I don't know. But uh, a, a number of the FBI agents who got cancer from it got cancer from sifting through the evidence there. Mm. And I was one of the lucky ones. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm alive, you know, and we've lost, I mean, last year alone, we lost three agents mm. to cancer from, from 9-11. But, but anyway, there was, there was so much. It was like New York, you know, the World Trade Center site was like an entire city in ruins. Anywhere else in the country would have been a whole city. There was 150,000 people who worked there every day. And, and, you know, probably a million people who went through there every day. And it's nine square blocks of complete and utter destruction and then a whole bunch of destruction on the periphery. It's just massive. You can't imagine the scale of it. And I walked around on the last day I was there, I walked around to the north side and I turned around and you know that big, there was a big globe, kind of a modern kind of globe in the middle of the plaza. That was like three stories down. And I could see straight through to my apartment building, mm. Gateway Plaza in Battery Park City. Like, that was like Mount McKinley moving, going right, away. Right, I could see right through where the Trade Center was. And in fact, when I was watching, I was actually teaching a class at the FBI Academy when, when the planes hit and the towers fell. I, I had it up on the big screen. And when, when the first tower fell, my knees gave out. I literally fell on the ground. I, Were you at home? No, no, I was... I was Teaching. Okay. Oh, I'm teaching. sorry. I, I, yeah, I, I the said FBI that. Academy. In, where, where was that? In, in in Quantico, Virginia. Okay. And I got I got back in my car. I uh -huh. you know immediately got back in my car and drove up there. I didn't get there till like five five thirty in the morning because of all the traffic and all that, and it was difficult to get through. Yeah, how do you get into I was the going city the other way? Yeah, you know. But I, I badged my way through, and but it, I just could not believe the, the scale of it, just the mountain of debris, and then also there were chunks where the Basically, the the you know plaza had collapsed, and you could see like eighteen floors of the World Trade Center all pancake. They were like you know less than a foot each, yeah, yeah. like a layer cake. And you just know there's people in there and it's everything. Just, yeah. yeah, everything. Wow. It's just, yeah. Well, I mean, anyway, let's talk about something more. <laughs> I didn't mean to get dark. <laughs> I tried to. I tried to make it light i tried to add a little levity in there at times you know i'm thinking all right i'm gonna ask him now how close can he get to the world trade center can he can he go to 18th street can he go to uh but i i, I won't no. Here, let's get back to the idaho murders because this okay this is what's intriguing to <laughs> talk me talk about light -hearted. yeah <laughs> i'll make it light this is what when i watch you and i've watched uh now two clips of you on different broadcasts talking about it and i'm thinking what information do you have that I don't have to make these uh, assessments. Do you have you talked to local law enforcement? Absolutely or are you not. just reading? No, it's just based on the behavior that that, that law enforcement has spoken about publicly. Um, and I also kind of sift through some of the news because you know uh, people give interpretations almost like telephone. You know the old game yeah. of telephone. Um, I try not to listen to all that, but we we look at what actually happened. So profiling is actually you don't have to ask me. I just told you. Profiling is reverse engineering a crime. So mm. you look at the crime scene and you see what kind of person committed those kinds of acts. What would it take to do this? So we look at victimology. We start with the victims, yeah. right? Because an offender picks a particular victim at a particular time, particular place, in a particular manner, for a particular purpose. All those choices reflect back on them. So why did he pick students? Right. Why did he pick late at night? Why did he pick 
right before the holidays, you know, that they were all out drinking the night that right. night. You know, why, why, why? Because he had to make it easier for them to get in there. How did he know that they were in that condition? He must Don't have been you watching think, them. I think this is somebody that was high on drugs. I feel like it's somebody, and I don't know why, I know nothing, that would never have committed these. I think it's a crime of passion, probably against one of these women, and then all of a sudden there's, you know, well, more fighting to be drugs done. And alcohol, drugs and alcohol do lower inhibitions. There's no question about it. So you'll act to, you know, more extremely. And stress increases the chance that you'll act to your extreme. So I think you had stressors in his life, Drugs or alcohol that lowered his inhibitions, and he acted finally. But I think this built up over time. Now, it may just be hours, but it may be weeks, months, or years. It could be this person was focused on one or more of the people in that in that house for some time. But I do absolutely believe there was pre-attack surveillance, and he waited. Really? Yes, absolutely. Oh. He waited. Because how could you enter... A home with six adults. Because you're high on drugs. You're furious. Right, but you're then angry why at this didn't girl. he set off all the alarms? Why didn't the dog start barking and everything went crazy? Don't they leave the back door open and it's a party house? It is kind of a party house. But the back door, which one? On the very first floor or on the second floor? Which one are you saying? Because I think he came in on the second floor. Will this person kill again? Uh, I think if he's cornered. I mean, don't you think... There's no indication yet. Of anything that I know, that this is a serial offender. He didn't kill all the people in the house. He didn't, as far as we know, didn't take anything, souvenirs, trophies, whatever. He didn't, if he was just a drug addict who just killed it, like, because he was in a drug-crazed state, right. he would have taken the computers, the money, whatever. He w- there, there would be more indications of other motives. The lack of those motives tell us the motive was probably cerebral. He was probably getting revenge, mm-hmm. trying to maintain his manhood, something like that. Have you ever asked a murderer? My phone. Have you ever have you ever asked a serial killer once, or even somebody who's killed just two people? Is it easier once you've killed one person? Is the second kill easier? All right. So serial killing, we look at more as a qualitative rather than just a quantitative analysis. So. The fact that you killed two or more makes you a serial killer, right? But you can have somebody who kills his first kill, who makes his first kill, right. who intends to kill as many times as he wants. Yeah, he's still gets- a serial killer, but he gets caught early, really? right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He still has the same mindset. So this is something that some people, especially, let's say, sexual sadists, psychopaths, they don't have human empathy. They, they literally look at other people as if they are this table or this I know. chair. I want to talk to you about that because okay. I, I feel like part of the problem that you have is if you were interrogating this is my me. Problem? Yeah, you got a problem. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were talking about your problem. No, no, no. But that's okay. No, this is what's wrong with Jim Clemente. And let me be honest with you. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's wrong a lot. With Jim oh, believe me. I've got pages. I've done more background. Uh, you know, I know people in the bur- bureau. What's okay. it called? Bureau. The bur- in my bureau <laughs> in upstairs. Burrow. Yeah, I know people. I know. Uh, you know. Two. Okay, so you. What are you? What's wrong with Jim Clemente? What are you saying? What's my problem? Okay, if you were to interrogate me, mm-hmm. be pretty easy. Okay. Well, First of all, I think I'm incapable of murder. I don't think I could kill somebody unless it was in self-defense mm-hmm. or maybe. Maybe if they murdered a loved one or something like that. I'm just not capable of just, I just, it isn't me. But 
people that can do this and multiple times are sociopathic. That's one. That's a diagnostic term, though. You have oh, I to took actually, a psychology class. In okay, college. good. But you have to actually to get there. You have to actually clinically diagnose somebody. We don't get that in the profiling unit. Really, we, get, we have to do indirect personality assessment. You don't. There's not psychologists. No, we learn. Oh yeah, there's psych, some psychologists. Some of the profilers are psychologists, but we're not. We don't have the benefit of doing psychoanalysis on somebody. Okay. What we do is look at their behavior, and we indirectly assess their personality from that. So it's slightly different. We don't, but we also don't rely on self-reporting because self-reporting can be wrong. Okay. Yeah, people lie about what they're doing, what they're thinking, right? They hide shit. Okay. But of course, this is what I want to get into. And in, in the Jody, one interview about Jody Arias, you said she's a sociopath, could be a psychopath. What's the difference? Okay. So, so all right. Sociopath is a clinical diagnosis in psychology. Psychopathy Dr. Robert Hare came up with the psychopathy checklist. It's 20 points, basically 20 behavioral points, okay. you know, grandiose, narcissistic, you know, criminal versatility, yeah. pathological lying, all those things. Okay. If you don't have it at all, you get a zero. If you have a little bit, you get a one. If you have it a lot, you get a two. Right. And if you add up to more than 30, you're a psychopath, mm -hmm. right? So it's, a, it's used in criminal law. Also, there are plenty of sociopaths who are not criminals, all right? They're just antisocial. They can go off in a cabin like, you know, Ted Kaczynski, and if he never started bombing people... The Unabomber. Yes, he would have just been a sociopath in the woods. And, right. you know, he killed animals to live, and he, you know, did his own thing. Okay. But psychopaths, there are two types. One is the typical one that you think about who becomes a serial killer, and then there's the CEO psychopath who steps on, kills other people's careers to get above. You know, you look at some of the, some of the presidents, some of the right. big CEOs, yeah, yeah, yeah. they've crushed other companies and people mm -hmm. because they don't give a damn about anybody They don't else. care about people. That's did you, how they rose above. Yeah. Did you read the book, The Psycho, uh, the Sociopath Next Door? I did not. Okay. It's an amazing book. In is fact, they did an entire podcast it episode. You? No, it isn't. Oh, okay. No, but 4% of the population is sociopathic and they're they're amongst us that could be in the trailer right now they they because they're very good at hiding it they're very good at hiding it mm -hmm. and they may not have the reflexes or may you know if you were interrogating may not sweat may not like because I, I i saw you in a, you know talking in a bunch of podcasts about how you read a person's body language do they tighten up do they take a sip sip do, do they, they change do they change right and a sociopath probably just sits there and just doesn't feels yeah. nothing they feel no remorse but what the smart ones do they look and they see it in others they see emotion in others and they mimic it and they're very successful at it. plus they're always looking for excitement right so they're fun to be around they usually have yes. a cadre of people around they have jet skis they do they jump out of airplanes Say it, they're they producers they're tv and film producers <laughs> they fool you every time i always thought they were comedians they make whatever, you what do i know <laughs> everybody's i'd love to do you have a diagnosis of me based on my act Gosh. It's not a diagnosis. Because you called diagnose. me insanely funny. I did call and in the tweet, and I just funny. said, I'm thankful that yeah, the word funny, funny proceeds. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm curious what you're reading into. Like I said, I lied to you where I, I lived. And I, I was curious if you were going to pick up on it because 
it's close enough that you may not have been able to tell what door you were going into, but the I saw it. The minute you walked in my door and you saw the address on the outside, your eyes lit up. I go, shit, he got me already. Caught me in my first lot. Okay, either we're breaking into his neighbor's house yeah. or... Yeah. I, no, I mean, I, it's a... Look, look. Profiling, the, the actual science is actually an art science, right? Mm -hmm. It's part art, part science. And what it is, is educating your gut because your gut is nothing more than your subconscious speaking okay. to you, right? Subconscious works up to 200 million times faster than your conscious mind, 200 million times. Because mm -hmm. we think in thousands of a second, that's pretty fast, but it's not faster than your subconscious. That's sending all the electrons and all the, all the stuff going on in your, all of your, yeah. all of your glands and all your brain function, all that's going by your subconscious. You're not conscious of what. But how do you know that? How do we know there's 200 thoughts? Are we, we well, uh, I mean, they, well, I'm, I'm just basing it on neuroscience. And I've talked to. sociopath did that test and is lying to us. You know, <laughs> so, no, but, we, well, I mean, uh, actually, a psychopath did. Why Dr. Do James we... Fallon. He's, he's at the University, of, well, you, you, California at um, Irvine. He was doing studies on psychopathy. Okay. And then he, did it, you know, he, he got all these controls from all his family so he could see what normal people were like versus the psychopaths that are in prison, right? Mm -hmm. And then as he did the control group, he found out that one of them was actually a psychopath and it was him. Oh. And then his mother told him, well, you know, your great aunt was Lizzie Borden. That's the one who killed everybody with an axe. Yeah. Yeah, fun person to be around. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'm going, I'm look, I can't study everything. I'm not that, you know, smart. But I have to rely on other people. But what I've learned about the mind is that if you can rely on your subconscious to take in details. Look, I can. I sat there in a room and listened to you do crazy things and, and put on your act. And I saw when when you couldn't help smiling yourself. And yeah. I, I saw when when you got a little embarrassed or when you when you sat down and said, you know, Jesus. You know, her laugh was funny, but when you're this close, it's pretty fucking annoying. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you were there are. that night. I yes. remember that night. Yeah. You were so quick. You were, you were so quick with responding to stimuli there. And I knew you were on fire and I could relate because yeah, I've been there, right? Where I say, I can't even fucking believe I said that. Or how did I catch that? How yeah. did I put those two things together? And so I saw those things about you, which intrigues me because you have a level of intelligence that most of the people in that room that night didn't, right? I mean, not most of the people in the room, but most of the people that got up on the stage. No, most of the people in that yeah, room. I, for sure. I didn't want to insult yeah, everybody. Yeah. But, but well, you know, last night I was on stage, I go, what a bunch of average... <laughs> And, I know. And av no, I call them average, like intelligence. Know, the other night, I like that. now, I've been and I'm not only calling them average looking, but average intelligence. Right, but the night I was there, there was a guy from Maine, and it fit perfectly with your. That was your bizarre. Bit. It was so great, yeah, and then so great. the person next to him was the girl with the crazy laughter. Crazy so laugh. it, was, it was so cool. Anyway, that worked out well. But I love how you're able to do that and making it real and relating relatable and and going back to when I was a kid, you know. I mean, I'm older than you, but you still reminded me of all the things that happened when I was a kid, which yeah. is great. And I love the fact that you talk about your father and to your father. You know, I just lost my father a couple of years ago. He was living with me. Great guy. I mean, he got funnier and funnier and funnier as he got older. Like it was, it was great. And Family's everything. It is. It is. Yeah. 
And actually, that's the theme of the pilot I'm writing. Actually, right well, now. I hope there's a part in there for me. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy, insane guy. Come on. Yes, why I'll not? take it. Work's work. Work is work. Work is work. And I'm gonna, you know what? Let me ask you a question Tell right now more. because this is about work. But do you agree with this statement from the book, uh, The Sociopath Next Door? She claims the author. I, I love this book. The only problem is once I finished reading it, I was just walking around accusing people in my brain of being a sociopath. I went, that's a sociopath. You're a sociopath. Yeah. Well, that, one of the things they warned us when we went through profiling training was, look, you're going to see little indications of all these things in other people. Don't make the mistake of diagnosing them in your brain because you have to do a full clinical evaluation. There's going to be people well, that, that indicate that's the, it. That's another question I have for you. Before I get to that question, well, then the other question, starting to feel like my act. I'm already, I'm way behind. You are. Yeah. I mean, you only have another four I, hours. I have a million questions. Um, are you capable of having personal relationships? Mm. Because you have such a high bullshit meter that I suspect you, you see I call people, people out. I, I mean, I I'm very too. direct. I would rather deal directly with an issue than put it off and let it blow up. That's that's how people I am. People can't deal with it. They'd Some rather be lied to. I think you're absolutely right. And, and it's tough. And I bumped into that in my life. There's no question about it. And also, you know, there's been a time or two where somebody, you know, at a party, at an event, uh, you know, at a screening, somebody says, oh, profile me. And they always do. Really? That's bizarre. No, they think it's cool. It's yeah. a party trick, yeah. right? Well, one time I finally said, okay, I'll do it. And it was a guy. And he ran this, you know... He ran this uh, uh, film festival, okay. all right, in a small town. And I had been there for a day or two, and I said to him, look, I think when you were young, you lost somebody who was very close to you. It was very tragic. And he is already going like this. And he looks around the room at the other guys there. Yeah. And, and I said, and this really affected you. And it kind of froze you in time there. And because of that, you kind of hang out with sort of inappropriately young people. Whoa. Do we do we find a pedophile? Yes, we did. No. Well, yes. Come on. I, what kind of pedophile says profile me? He didn't, he think he's he arrogant. He's smarter than me. Arrogant. Right, They're all so, arrogant. He's, so I said to him. That's why I know I'm not a serial killer. I'm not go. I'm not, not smart enough or arrogant enough. So I said to him, look, a bad person in your position would take advantage of those young people around him. But I know you're not doing that. Oh. Because the young people were all around him wow. right then and there. How old so is this I put guy? Them on, he, was, he was late 30s, early 40s. Uh-huh. And so I said to, you know, the guy that I was at the film festival with, the next day, he said, you know, what'd you do? And I said, oh, I went to this party and I read this guy and I think he's a pedophile. And I can guarantee you, I'm going to ask him one question. And if he changes the subject, you're going to know it's true. Oh, well, so good. I'm hanging out with Jamie and we're talking and the guy shows up. And I said, what did you think about me profiling you last night? And he goes, what happens in the Hilton stays in the Hilton. And he changed the subject. Wow. And Jamie looks what, at me. What were the tells? That It's just the, the interactions and the sort of like there, there, was, there was a lot of unsaid things happening. Like why? Well, I, I mean... Because I've never it's just I've never met a stranger and thought that's a pedophile. Well, I, I do I meet have... people on the plane that spend too much time talking to the flight attendants, the hot female <laughs> flight attendants. Those yeah, guys drive me nuts okay. too. Yeah, but what but, was there any I mean, like what stands out in a, well, in a, what, well, look, in a pedophile when personality? When you're when you're in your forties, teenagers are kind of boring. 
Yeah. You know, they, they, they literally have, they're, 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 they're playing video games. They're annoying. They have stupid things that they yes. want to talk about. I if, hate kids. If you eat that up, if you spend more time with them than age appropriate adults, that's but a red flag. How did you know that just from talking I'm to I'm just telling party. you, I, I, I let my gut, I let my subconscious take but in what, all what the data. What did you ask them? What one specific question led to that? Are you, are you into have, gaming or it was just a sense? No, I just watched him and I saw the behavior and I Oh, at the party watching the, him interact. At the film festival. I mean, because it was like this was like two yeah, days into yeah, it. Yeah. I see him at the film festival. I see who he talk I see who he brightens up around. I see, you know, all this stuff. I'm I'm seeing that that all of the volunteers are all males in their late teens. Got it. You know, what's going on here? All right, fine. You know, and then, you know, it kind of stacks up. Yeah. Yeah. I get, you know what I tell all my female friends? Uh, have a guy. If you want to date a guy, have one of your guy friends. Come and check him out. Yeah, because we can see we through know. it. We, we know, know. We, we know, know who's who's just... the player, who's a pervert. Mm -hmm. you, we we can tell right yeah. away. Right away. Yeah, because, you know, either you are that kind of person or you're not, right? Yeah. And if you're not, that pisses you off. Piss, it's annoying. Yeah. It's annoying. Why are humans so bad at lying? Not all of them. I mean, psychopaths are not bad at lying. But a lot of us but, are yes. biologically... Like, you know, I joked earlier about how I've committed some crimes. I'm probably incapable because I'm a rules player. It's I, pathways in your brain. Yeah. And, and I can't... I, I would live with guilt. So this is the cool thing about your brain. It's actually organic, right? It actually grows. Mm. And and it, it, it develops neur neural pathways, right? Mm. From, for example, that glass over there, right? It's got a color. Right, it's green. The stuff in it is green. It you nuts. So, all right, but it has it's green. That's a color, right? Mm. It has a shape. All right, that's physical. It has a heft to it. That's a weight. It it smells yeah. a certain way. It tastes a certain way. All those aspects are stored in different parts of your brain. The way that you remember it, you have to pull together all those different pieces from the different puzzle pieces in your brain or chain links in your brain. And that's how you pull out a memory. Right? I haven't heard a word of what you said since you said half. Okay. <laughs> I've been stuck on the word half. I'm like, you should have said ounces. No. But go ahead. I'm sorry. But No, but what I'm saying is that your brain works in a way that you have developed in your life certain neural pathways. All right? And it, it connects certain things. Some people have a super highway that connects them all together. Some people... You know, it's zigzag, ricochet, rabbit stuff. And so it takes them a long time to pull out memories or think of things. And so you have a very quick brain. I could see you on stage. You know, like I said, your brain was on fire. You're, you, you were picking up things. You were relating them. You know, you were able to read the room, play the room, and be funny all at the same time. That tells you something about your pathways in your brain. And so when when you're, you know, when you're developing you there's there's parts of your brain you know maybe you hit a, a kitten when you were young or pushed your little sister down and fell and got hurt now your reaction to it like ah, oh my god i'm sorry yeah that developed a pathway in your brain that started a pathway and you either reinforce that helpful pathway or say that's kind of funny you know let me do it again when my mother isn't around let me see what can happen and you reinforce those those negative things that's the difference between somebody who can kill, who can't kill. Uh, you go out hunting, you know, you gut the deer right there, you pull all the guts out, 
doesn't bother you then when you go into a house and kill four people because you've been doing this since you were eight, right? So that's why I said the guy uses a knife. He probably rags about his knife. He's he's huh. shown people. Talk Idaho again. Yes, Idaho. You know, and he didn't blanch when he killed the first one or the second one or the third one. It's, he kept going. But is it possible he killed one and then all of a sudden another one becomes a witness and got to kill that well, one? Well, it, it's apparent. It's apparent that that he killed two sets of people, right? So there was two people in the same bedroom down on the second floor and there's two people in the same bedroom on the third floor. So it's possible that one person was a target, but they weren't the people on the second floor and he didn't know it. And so he killed those people because he walked into the room. Maybe they looked in the dark like the person he wanted. And then he went upstairs to kill the target and he didn't kill the people down all the way downstairs because he had already killed this target. Are you, are you itching to go? Would you love to go up oh, there? That's the worst thing about being retired. <laughs> I knew it. It's just that, you know, you have to sit on the. You have to get used to it. It let's, takes a while. Let's unretire you for okay, this case. Sure. Let's solve it. You and I. All right. Well. I think, I think, I think. No, really, because I'll bring <laughs> such this fresh outsider. Show. This would be a show. This Let is a great you. show. You it and I solve solving cases. Yes. Because I'm such an outsider that I'll see things that you're you're blocked to. Right. You will. That you every, got a studio. You Let's know, put it together. Get you your know, brother on the phone. Okay. Let's do, do what you do we, know well, when we're we're looking for new profilers. We don't say we want everybody who fits this mold. We want as diverse a group as possible. The very first case that I profiled was this case where the the victim was a? If I don't have time, uh, tell me if you're. No, no, I'm looking at your level. Off. I'm making sure okay. our levels. Am I too? Am I too? No, loud? you're great. No, anyway, the whole. Look, don't take it so personally because for one second I looked away. You narcissist. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing it. No, no. Maybe I first I have of all, I'm so much empathy. I didn't want to put you in a bad position. You know what I did? I what? said I got to take this guy down a little bit. He's a little <laughs> bit arrogant and cocky. If I look away, the, he thinks I'm looking at the clock. Clock's up there, Jim. I'm looking at the sound levels okay. right here. No, right, we're good. fine. I could, we talk, that straight. I could talk. I could talk to you. The I, I, only reason why I solved the case was the first case that I profiled was because I'm left-handed. Because when I played it out in my mind, I used my left hand to hold the gun. And everything fell into place. I looked around the room. Nobody else in the room was right hand, was left-handed. And so I said, the killer is left-handed. Wow. And everybody looked at me like, shut up. You're the new kid. You're not supposed to speak. I want my name on the show to be left-handed. And wait. Because I'm the outside. Okay. And I said, he's close to the victim. She let him in. He didn't yank the door open. He opened it and slowly closed it. Because mm. we there was a video that only showed from the, the bottom of where the window is in the right. van that she was sitting in to the ground. So you saw somebody, a man, obviously, walk up, open the door slowly, close the door, minute and a half, open the door and close the door. She was found an hour and a half later, dead gunshot wounds and stuff like that. So I said this, he's left-handed and he's close to her. And all of a sudden I see the, the district attorney and the chief and the detective, like they blanch, mm. they, they just go white. Wow. And I said, what's wrong? And they said, her husband, son of a bitch, is left-handed. Yeah. And he's our boss. He's the chief, oh, chief of detectives. Wow. I was like, oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah. I said, no, well, you know, look at him. They yeah. said, we are. Wow. <laughs> so that was it. Right there. That, they but, had that case for like 
18 months, nobody there, had ever. There was a dateline the other day about uh, an indigenous victim. This mm-hmm. was up in Alaska, and it turned out to be a police officer that did it. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, happens. right. So it was sort of like, and you saw it in the program the moment they said, hey, we got the tire tracks back or we got the evidence or what? Right. No, a ne- some neighbor was out smoking at two o'clock in the morning and saw a police cruiser go by oh, and saw him talk to her. And, but that was the last time her cell phone pinged right. and they got him. So that's got to be. So it's tough. Did, it's uh, tough. did they get the guy? Yeah, was yeah. it him? Yeah. It's always the husband. Let me tell you something. Okay. <laughs> Watch Dateline. Married people die every single day from I suspicious know. things. Well, look, you know, they're, they're trying to get uh, Scott Peterson out now. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, would you say there's a greater chance of being killed once you're married? Do married people die at a higher rate? If you're trying to separate, times of separation mm-hmm. and pregnancy. Pregnancy is the highest time for a woman to be murdered. Yes. They don't murder once they're, when they're pregnant, do they? Oh, mur- no, I'm saying, no, no. Do the, women generally murder the, while they're pregnant? No, the most dangerous time in a woman's life is when she's pregnant. Yes. But do pregnant women kill? Is there cases where a pregnant woman has killed her husband? Not in my experience. Yeah. Not in my experience. I think that once you get married, of course, when money comes in, are, they, they make divorce so difficult. Make it easy. Have one hour divorce. There will be less killings. There are postpartum things that happen sometimes that increase the chances of a woman acting out violently but yeah um generally that's aimed at the child not at the husband if you're comfortable i'd like to get into how you got into the fbi okay sure of oh. course i'm comfortable it's a nice chair okay okay yeah. uh about- i want to talk about that in a minute okay uh, because uh- it's a really interesting this is called a tease it's oh, a okay. really yeah wow. and are, will are you willing right now on tape looking at the camera i'm looking at mine to commit to unretiring and taking me up to Idaho and cracking this murder. I think we can do an investigative series where we go out and we actually solve cold case homicides. I'd love to. And I don't, I'm not even being like flippant. I know four people died and it seems like I'm joking, but I do really think, like one time, not to compare murder to yogurt, but Dan and Yogurt, this is the smartest, smartest company I've ever worked okay. for. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Dan and Yogurt hired me and two other comedians, including Sebastian, who's huge right now, to write as many jokes as we could think of about yogurt. They wanted to see how our mind saw yogurt. And that's really smart because we were such outsiders. We were coming up with wild stuff. And you're just looking at the ad agency going, we never... They were too myopic. Is that the word? They were tunnel vision? Yeah. Sometimes I pull these big words out. I get all excited. (laughs) Fires me up. Fires me up. Do you want to talk about me on Teen Wolf and the question? I have a question. Sure. I have a question for an actual FBI profiler about a character on the show, Teen Wolf. Okay, great. Let's What's see if the writers wrote right. There you go. I want to thank Jim Clemente, of course. And you want to stick around for part two. Let me tell you what's going to happen in part two. I asked a former FBI profiler to break down one character from the show Teen Wolf. Can you guess which character it is? It's a character you've never seen. We also, I ask him point blank, who killed John Benet Ramsey? And I think he knows. We talk about so, so much more. You want to, you want to see it? You want to hear it? Episode sixty-seven. What's wrong with Orny Adams? Is it'll be out in a week. Thank you, Ernesto Artado, for uh, helping me edit this and produce this particular episode. I really appreciate it. And thank you to everybody. We'll see you 
and hear you. You'll hear me. You'll see me. You'll do everything next week. And I hope to see everybody that listens at one of my live stand-up comedy shows. That's it.